as we've been talking, I've been thinking you're the perfect guest speaker because when I was teaching, talk about these different issues, right? But then you would come in as the guest speaker and all the students would be like, wow, Linda was the best guest speaker ever. I learned so much from her. And I was sitting there going, yeah, she's basically saying the same stuff I've been telling you. <laughs> right. But you're going to remember it from Linda coming in and, and things like that. So, yeah. Welcome to the Fractional Executive Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Kauf. Our mission on the Fractional Executive Podcast is to help founders and family business owners of $500,000 to $10 million in annual revenue get off that plateau of no growth that they've been stuck on. My guest today is Linda Fineris, and I'm going to get to her in a minute. And you're really going to like what she has to say. She concentrates on marketing strategy which again is really important and is one of the five areas that we talk about here on the Fractional Executive Podcast. But before I introduce Linda, again, I wanna remind you as listeners and viewers, in order to help you grow your businesses, we need to grow the show. And so what I would ask you to do is please like, subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review and also share the podcast. That way we can grow the show, get great guests on here like Linda, and you can then grow your business, getting it off that terrible growth, no growth plateau that you're currently on. So Linda Fineris is the CEO and founder of Equitant Botanicals, an all natural organic skincare line. And she's the CEO and founder of Millennium Agency, a nationally recognized top women led creative branding, storytelling, messaging, and digital marketing strategy firm that leverages data analytics to accelerate business growth. She started an accounting and business software company, led the marketing division, and the company was then purchased by Microsoft. She serves as a board member and CEO Women's Forum for the American Association of Advertising Agency, New England Council, is past chair of the Business and Industry Association of New Hampshire, and serves on the Dean's Advisory Board of the University of New Hampshire, Paul College of Business and Economics. Please welcome Linda to the show. Thank you. Great to be here today. I'm looking forward to sharing some insights. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. I think we should just jump right in. I mean, Linda, you've been creating marketing strategies and brands for several years very successfully. In today's consumer world, what still works? That's a great question. So we look at marketing from two different perspectives. One is from the B2B perspective, which is a business-to-business -business marketing strategy. So some companies basically market and sell to businesses, and that would be B2B. B2C would be basically their businesses that sell to consumers. So something like that might be an Amazon or a Walmart or one of the more retail-y brands that you're familiar with. So I'll start with the B2B side because I think that's a little bit different and it's a different strategy. On the B2B side, what we find really is branding is key to growth because often some of these industries and companies are very scattered in how they speak about themselves and it gets confusing to their target market and to their consumers. So we always stress, make sure you have a strong brand identity, make sure you know who you are, 
Make sure you know what you stand for. Make sure you know how you want to position yourself in the market and how you want to speak to your target markets. If you can determine those factors up front and you can stay on the path, it can help your growth strategy. And from there, what you can do is take your brand, take your brand messaging and start to push it out into channels where your target market actually is or resides. And a lot of times that could be direct to them through email marketing strategies, industry publications where you're actually, you know, running banner ads or doing white paper promotions to get their attention. That could be another strategy, obviously social media, but you want to be looking at social media platforms that align with where they are. It wouldn't necessarily be on Facebook, but they may, might be on Twitter or LinkedIn. So you really want to look at it from the business perspective and where they actually reside. And then it helps to determine, okay, my strategy from a B2B sector um, will include email marketing. It will include um, social media. It will include digital advertising and may include, like I said, industry publications and advertising in those areas. So on the B2B side, I would say it's really important to keep in mind like who you are, what your brand stands for, and finding those platforms that actually are where they actually exist. Um, and I will just speak a little bit on the consumer side because that's totally different because consumers tend to purchase on emotion a lot of times. And when you're building out brand strategies and you're building out actual messaging around that, you want to make sure that you do have emotional messaging that really does resonate and really engages that audience. And those target markets could show up anywhere. It could be, again, on the digital side, definitely on the social media side, but it would be other social media. It might be Instagram, could be Facebook, it could be TikTok. Um, it may be taking advantage of influencers who can actually start to build a following for you relating to your brand. So when we look at those two markets, you really want to look at it from two totally different perspectives and say, okay, where's my target market? Where do they live? And how can I find that? space that they're in and market in that space and, and, and use my brand, use my brand strategy, use my brand messaging and push that out there in, in the most effective way. Thanks, Linda. I mean, I think that's really important to reiterate how as founders of established businesses and family businesses, depending on who our customer is, those categories, right? Are we selling to businesses? Are we selling to end consumers? That the social media platform where our customers are could be very different. And that's mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Linda, as you and I talk to founders and family business owners weekly about business growth, uh, what are some things that we often miss in putting together that marketing strategy to really grow our businesses and align it with our goals? Right. I always say when you build a house, you need a foundation. And that foundation from a marketing perspective is your brand. It is your message. Um, because what we find is a lot of companies have a very fragmented message or they might have a very fragmented brand. You may look at a digital ad that looks totally different from their website that might look different from their trade show booth. And these are the types of things that you really do have to do an audit and take a 
really clean look or clear look at, okay, how do we look? How are we coming across? Who is our target market? How do we want to be portrayed? And what does that look like and feel like? And once you start to dig deep into the root of the company and what you stand for, it often helps determine and answer those questions for you. And that's a lot of what we do when we work with companies. We we need to find out sort of the red thread that runs through the company and what their values are and what their vision is and what their direction is and how can we build a strategy around that that actually elevates them in the market. So I think it's really important for companies to make sure that they have that foundation built. And once that's done, really the next step is what we spoke about earlier, which is how do we figure out where who our target market is? Like when I say who the target market is, I don't just mean um, a VP of sales. It might be a VP of sales in a specific size company, in a specific industry. Um, maybe it's a specific area within the country. It could be global, but you really want to start to get granular on who you're trying to market to. And once you've determined your brand, your messaging, your target markets, then you can start to push out some of the strategies that we spoke about earlier, whether it's email marketing, campaign development, all those things will start to come together in a more cohesive way once you build the foundation and start from that perspective. You know, Linda, you alluded to how our customers change and sometimes we miss that as well. And I think Probably nothing exposed that more than COVID in how consumer behavior um, and buyers actually changed. So how can we continue to do that research to stay on top of the changes that our customers want? That's a great question. So customers, you know, a lot of times what we find too is companies will have like a competitor that comes up on their coattails and they get nervous about that. And they might feel that they're losing market share because they haven't been advertising, especially during COVID, because a lot of companies stopped. It's those companies that continue to advertise during times like COVID, during times like the recession that come out on top. And I think that's one thing that companies should try to keep in mind, you know, as as the economy continues to shift and maneuver try to maintain some consistency in your marketing and advertising to make sure that you can maintain that that position and that top of mind, you know, brand awareness that that is so important. So I think um, you know, when it comes to situations where you're finding it maybe a little bit more competitive or finding it more challenging, you do want to stand, you know, you want to stand true to who you are, stand true to your to your um, position in the marketplace and continue as much as possible in all of your marketing efforts in order to maintain brand and customer satisfaction. And I always look at, <clears throat> you know, you, you have prospects and then you have customers. You need to keep the customers happy because it's really expensive to go get new customers, right? But on the other hand, you also need to continue to be prospecting. So building out strategies that actually address both scenarios can completely help you stand up from that crowded marketplace and compete with other brands on a whole nother level. And that's really what you want to be able to do, especially when there's, when the market is shifting like it is today, there's a lot of changes going on on the technology side. You do want to make sure that you keep that in the back of your mind and stay ahead of the competition and just 
you know, do more and try to be more in, in your space. And that can really help elevate your brand. Thank you, Linda. So Linda just told us how if we're feeling like the competitors are coming onto our coattails, we can uh, fight back. And again, that's why I started this podcast. The podcast is so you can grow your business. Some of you are stuck right now on that next plateau of growth and you can't get off of it. And so us having great guests on here like Linda, it's really important that you like, subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review, as well as share the podcast. So guests like Linda will be on the podcast. They'll come back. That way we grow the show and you can then grow your business. So Linda, you alluded to economic downturns, right? And when times are good, to check on the effectiveness of our marketing strategy and branding, how do metrics come into play with that? Yeah, that's great. I mean, if you if you sort of rewind and you go back 10, 20 years ago, and we we're dependent a lot on a lot of traditional media like TV or radio or even like sending out letters in the mail, right, or doing direct mail, it was very challenging to track the ROI. You could look at, you know, maybe incoming calls or people walking through the door if you're a retail place and maybe an uptick in sales. But today with the digital strategies that are in place, it's amazing what you can track. It really is amazing. And you can get down to, you know, where is that lead coming from? You know, if I generate X amount of leads, I will be able to, you know, convert a percentage of those into potential sales. And maybe out of those potential sales, I can close 10, 20, 30% of those, which will translate into X amount of dollars in business. So when it comes on the digital side, I mean, we look at impressions, we look at cost per lead. We also like to look at the customer lifetime value because somebody might run an expensive campaign, you know, and then they may get a few clients and they're like, oh, we didn't really get that much. We got, I don't know, let me make some, you know, $50,000 in new business. <clears throat> but when they really do the math, and they look at the customer lifetime value of that $50,000, it could be $500,000. So you do want to look, you know, beyond, you know, your nose, you want to look at, okay, how are these leads going to translate into new business? And when we do get the new business, what does that mean for the long term? as long as we can retain them? And that's what we spoke a little bit about earlier. It's not about building strategies to only get new business, but also how do you keep your existing customers happy? And that's another strategy that I think, you know, employers um, should really keep in the forefront of their mind. And some, you know, put more effort into that area than others, but some don't put any effort into that, those areas. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind when you're starting to build out some of these marketing strategies for growth. Linda, you've really given our listeners and viewers a lot of really good nuggets as far as marketing strategy, what to look forward to, look to kind of look back on and how it's much easier in today's digital marketing world uh, to track your ROI. But I would like to ask you a little bit more about your companies and you as an entrepreneur. You know, Linda, you started Eclatant. I want to ask you about those initiatives, but... More specifically, you know, as a founder of multiple businesses and companies, how do you personally decide to start something new? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So a millennium agency is, is our longest standing business. It's been, we've been in business for 23 plus years, maybe 24 this year. Um, you know, we work with global clients. We're primarily in the B2B sector. Um, the goal with that really is I started that company primarily because at the time my children were little and I thought, okay, I needed a little bit more flexibility and I really wanted to be my own boss. So that was when I started the company and it took time. I mean, like any company, unless you get really lucky, it really takes a lot of, you know, hard work. And I always say it's persistence, it's determination, it's focus on what you're trying to achieve. And as long as you can do that and kind of keep in the background, all the things that get you down, because those are always going to come up. But if you can just stay focused on, you know, where you're trying to head to, then at the end of the day, you will have something that you're proud of. And so we, so once um, we, you know, we got that going and what we decided to do is as cannabis started to emerge, probably like four years ago, we started a company called Cannabis Brands. And that company focuses in specifically on the cannabis, in, you know, industry. It's a, you know, ancillary company. We don't sell anything. We're just servicing that cannabis industry because it is a growing industry and it continues to grow and get legalized, you know, throughout the states. The third company is Equitant, and honestly, that company was built out of just, frankly, I think a passion. You know, I have some relatives in France. I went to France, I spent some time there. And one of the things that I really enjoyed is about, is really just the natural beauty of the country and the natural beauty of the people that are there. And what I had decided to do when I came back was to create and work with a, um, an individual who actually was able to craft some products for me that are all organic extremely clean, um, very high-end products that are designed to just be good for your skin. I mean, you could literally eat the products. They're so healthy for you. So that is really the goal there because the whole natural beauty, I think today we get so caught up in, you know, you know, we're faced, we're always dealing with the chemicals in our house and whatever we use and Sometimes what we have for a drink, you know, could be in sodas, but there's so many things out there that just impact our health. I thought, okay, let's try to, let me try to do something that would be more positive and, and build out a product line, an organic skincare line that's actually great for your skin and great for your health. And that's why I had created Equitop Botanicals. But as far as managing all of them, I mean, it is challenging, um, but I, I'm always up for a challenge. So it's really just really shifting priorities depending on what's important at that time and what's not. You know, Linda, that that's really great that you started those three businesses for three different reasons. And those are the three top three reasons why entrepreneurs start companies, right? One is a family life cycle kind of issue. Two is you saw a trend, right? And you could marry your expertise to that. And three is a passion. Yeah, that, that, so that's that's great. I'm really glad I asked you that question. Yeah, yeah, they had totally different reasons, so it's really interesting. So the question I ask all of our guests on this podcast has the theme of, you know, you're a fantastic marketer and you have that functional kind of department of expertise, if you will. But 
most entrepreneurs have to do something different to become the CEO of their company. Going from that functional to that strategic or visionary executive, even though you're very good at strategy, what were some of the things that you had to learn to go to CEO from, say, CMO? Yeah, um, that is probably one of the biggest challenges, I would say, as, as far as being a CEO, because I mean, I think sometimes as CEOs, we get a little granular and a little myopic and maybe a little tactical. And then we realize often CEOs and entrepreneurs like to be visionaries, like they enjoy it. They find it, um, you know, intriguing. They find it interesting. And it's like a good place for a CEO to be because that's how they think and live and breathe. And I think as a CEO, when I find myself in scenarios when I am being too tactical or I'm in the, minu what I call, I'm in the minutia, it frankly, it puts me in a bad mood, you know, because I know that I'm not supposed to be there and I know that's not where I'm best served. So I do, I try to make adjustments as quickly as I can to get out of that and get back into that more strategic viewpoint, the bird's eye view, because especially in marketing, marketing, you know, like many industries, it has changed so much over the last 20, 25 years. I mean, we used to be like, you know, putting wax on paper. This, this was like a thousand years ago, wax on paper to get them to the printer so they could print them, right? And then if you weren't around to make that shift to the digital age, you were done. You know, you're done with your career. So with marketing, you really have to stay up to speed with what is next um, because you the minute you stop that, you start to lose market share and you can't keep up. So I think it's really important to stay at that strategic level. I mean, for any business owner, frankly, because their business and their markets are constantly changing and to stay in the forefront of emerging trends and what's out there, you know, is, is key to growth. And if companies take a look at a SWOT analysis annually, that's something that will help them identify, okay, what's coming up on my coattails that I have to worry about and what other opportunities should I be looking forward to or looking at so we can continue to grow or we can take advantage of these opportunities? So I think that that's key is just for me, it's when I know I'm in getting in a bad mood, I know like I'm getting too granular and it's time to get out of that. Linda, that's great. Uh, you know, the, the number one thing I talk to my clients about in this area is getting to that point where they could take a week vacation out of the country and they're not completely worried about their business burning down, right? But I think you went beyond that just now and talked about how you kind of check yourself when you're falling back into that granular tactical um, area, you're feeling bad about it. And I think that's that's great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, sharing that tip. Yeah, and I think when entrepreneurs do start their business, you know, you do, you start out maybe in a lot of cases doing the work and then you have to shift to hiring and bringing people in to actually execute the work for you. And if you are not there to make sure that that's getting sort of transferred properly and getting executed properly, then again, you get back into actually the doing. And that's the, that's can be the challenge for CEOs. Cause I think a lot of times CEOs can be a bit of a perfectionist. So that, that can create another set of challenges. 
Yeah, exactly. Linda, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I want to give you a chance to tell our viewers and listeners how they can get a hold of you and just talk about some of the projects you're working on. That sounds great, Ryan. Sure. And I'd love to tell everybody where they can get in touch with me. Again, my name is Linda Fenaris, and you can reach me on LinkedIn for sure. And just to spell that for you, it's F as in Frank, A-N-A-R-A-S, all A's. So it's easy to remember. Um, so LinkedIn is a great place to find me and connect with me directly. If you do want to check out Millennium, um, that's your best bet is www.mill dot agency and reach out to us there as well. So we do a lot of branding projects and brand messaging projects. And branding is really building out that identity, doing a, dig, a deep dive into the company, finding out, like I said earlier, what they stand for, what their vision is, who they want to be, what that red thread is that runs through the company. We build out a brand identity that lines up with that. And we also work on a lot of messaging. So what is the emotional messaging that makes someone want to buy from them? So they're not buying based on cheap, a cheap price. They're based on buying from some emotional factor that makes them wanting to come back. And that's the key that we help you know, companies with. So we do do a lot of um, like man we're working on some manufacturing branding projects right now. We're actually doing a B2C branding project as well. Um, in the cement block space is one. Um, we just finished an engineering firm. We've done some large tech publicly owned companies. So they they really do range, but those are, those are my favorite. I love those. So as far as um, those types of projects, I would say that is the case. And you did mention earlier, I serve on the UNH, uh, the Paul College Board, which is a fantastic board of directors. Um, I love that organization and I love what they stand for. They're an exceptional school. So I'm really happy to spend my time sharing on that as well. So th th those are some of the things that I do focus in on in my spare time. Well, I'm glad you're involved with that school of business because as we've been talking, I've been thinking you're the perfect guest speaker because when I was teaching, I would talk about these different issues, right? But then you would come in as the guest speaker say pretty much the same thing that I did teaching and all the students would be like, wow, Linda was the best guest speaker ever. I learned so much from her. And I was sitting there going, yeah, she's basically <laughs> saying the same stuff I've been telling you. Right. But you're going to remember it from Linda coming in and, and things like that. So yeah, Linda, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, really appreciate it. No, absolutely. The Fractional Executive Podcast. Uh, again, please like, subscribe, follow, share the podcast and leave us a five-star review so that we can have great guests on here like Linda. So please uh, grow your business because of the things she's said and that way we can grow the show. I'm your host, Ryan Kauth. You can get a hold of me at ryankauth.coach. The Fractional Executive Podcast is produced by Influencer.tv. The great team of Adam Marino, Mark Livingston, Brian Allen, and Chris Drees.